How was you guys' Christmas? It was good. It went by really fast. I was down in South Georgia where it was 80 degrees on Christmas Day, and people were at the beach. So, I mean, that's pretty cool and all, but at Christmas, I like I like it to be cold on Christmas. Makes it feel a little more Christmassy. But awesome Christmas. Got the... Uh, I got the front page of the AJC framed and all for uh, for the Braves World Series win, so uh, that'll be going in the man cave very, very soon. Uh, it's already down here; just got to get it hung up. So that's exciting. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm uh, I had a good Christmas. What, what about you, man? We pretty much just had Thanksgiving 2.0 because it was the same type of food. But um, yeah, the the weather was was warm up here too. It was like I don't know 70, 72 up here. And typically, it's it's really not that warm around this time. I, you know, it's maybe give or take mid sixties, probably mid to low sixties. But seventy was just a little ridiculous. I didn't mind it though because I sat outside, you know, with my dad, smoked a cigar. Uh, my Christmas this year was sponsored by Bush Light. I had many, many Bush Lights, and they were oh so good in that Georgia heat to keep the 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 the, the, the hotness down. It kept me hydrated, so. I had a pretty good Christmas, got an Apple Watch, uh, bought my dad a putter, which he absolutely loved. You should have seen him when it, like when, when, when I gave it to him. He was like, oh, son, you didn't. This is the exact one I was looking for. And the entire day, I kid you not, he, he walked around with that putter in his hand, and he was like practicing in, in the living room, hitting balls and stuff like that. So I'm glad he, had, he enjoyed his Christmas present. See, that's awesome. It, it, the, the one thing that I will say, like, once you get married – it's hard to do Christmas because now you've got two two sides of the family to do Christmas with. So you have to like f- figure out that balance. But then once you have kids, Christmas becomes awesome again. So like this year my daughter is old enough to understand Santa. So like it was Christmas day was a blur. She got a, I got her we got her uh Santa brought her a little four-wheeler that's got like the battery the battery powered four wheeler and she rode that thing all over the place. It died like immediately. Uh, I say immediately. It was like she rode it for at least seven hours on Christmas day. It was insane. And and that makes it a lot, a lot of fun to, to see all, all the stuff that she gets. And then, you know, Maddox will be there next year. So that, that that's really cool, but it is hard to balance like the going from one family to the other, especially when you li- they live four hours away. Like I remember whenever I was a kid, I'd go to my dad's side for a little bit, go to my mom's side for a little bit, and then go home, call it a day. I've always wondered, now it's like, what's up? Said I've always wondered how how a kid learns of Santa, like. Do do you personally teach your your kid about Santa, or, or or does Santa learn, or does she learn from Santa like through TV or through like other kids she's around? Like, how does that work? I mean, I I we I, I'm teaching her about it I'm, okay. about Santa. I mean, it's I think it's a, I think it's like a personal family thing too. Because like I remember whenever I was in school, like there were some kids who was like who were like avidly telling like, oh no, Santa's not real. Ah, it's messed it's up. like, oh I know. I mean, like. It, to me, it's like, look, man, if if you don't want to believe in Santa, yeah, don't believe in that's Santa. On you. Who cares? But like, <laughs> the, actually, one of my uh, my mom's friends was telling me that they they have three kids. One is now in sixth grade, and that's generally like the age whenever it's like you you found out at that point. <laughs> and oh, really, so the sixth, <laughs> so the, so the 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 sixth grader was like. Telling the other two, like, oh yeah, no, Santa's not real. So, so she was like, we uh, 
we we got presents for our youngest two kids and we wrote him a note and was like you didn't get any presents because you were terrible no. and so he only got two th- he only got two things that his parent it was like from his parents while the other kids got like a ton of stuff mm. and i was like in a way that's kind of jacked up because <laughs> it's a little harsh it's a little harsh <laughs> it, yeah yeah but i mean at the same time it's like hey you want to keep that christmas magic alive for the other two you better uh you better do it that way uh, you know, this is the first Christmas that I actually did not watch a Christmas story at all. Didn't watch it. I watched mainly. I watched the Hawks get blown out, and then I watched the Browns. Well, Baker Mayfield disappoint me once again. That that's that's pretty much how I spent Christmas. I didn't watch any type of Christmas movies at all. Yeah, I think we went over this last year, but I am not a fan of a Christmas story. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. Last I, year. Just because I, I I never really watched it when I was a kid, but I love Christmas football is my favorite. Whenever it lands to where there's NFL on Christmas Day, that is my favorite thing. Or even on Christmas Eve, because Christmas Eve was a big thing for us too. So like, we would go over to my grandparents' house on Christmas Eve and have like a big family thing. And when there was Christmas Eve football, it was the best. We get out, throw the old pigskin around in the yard for a little bit, and then you know watch whatever games were on. So I love watching it. Baker was a little disappointing. It's very uh, disappointing. And, and it, you know, I wonder how much the injuries are playing into it and how much of it is just he, he just doesn't have it. Uh, you know, I'm going to go down with the ship. But, you know, I, I, think, I think injuries are playing a role into it. But he also didn't play last week because of, of the COVID protocols. So he had an entire week, you know, to, to kind of nurse some of those injuries. I, I think a lot of it now is just he, he doesn't really have it because there were some throws where it was if he would have just set his feet and made a, a decisive throw, then it wouldn't have been an interception. It would have been a big gainer. And there were a lot of plays where he decided to, to take a shot down the field in triple coverage instead of taking the giant crossing route that was open for like 30 yards. So I think a lot of it right now is just just he does not have it. And uh, I'm going to go down with the ship, but I think Baker Mayfield's time in Cleveland is over. They're going to end up trying to, once again, draft another quarterback. See, I think they'll stick with him for a little bit longer because he's not a terrible quarterback. Like, we were talking about in the group me, like, the grass ain't always greener. Yeah. Yeah. As many years as the Browns have had quarterbacks that were awful, you can use Baker to get to somebody else. Like he's, just, I don't think that he's gonna, you know, win you a Super Bowl, but he'll get you to the playoffs. He can give you an opportunity if, if, like we saw last year. I mean, Nick Chubb is a beast, and if the Browns' defense plays well, he's not. And he's just got to eliminate the mistakes. He can't be a problem. Yeah, he didn't have to be the solution. He just can't be a problem. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I. I don't want to make excuses, but he is also throwing to people like uh, Peoples Jones or uh, that Higgins guy. He, he, I know he, I know he had OBJ, and that didn't work out. Now OBJ is killing it in, in Los Angeles, but he he's not throwing to the best type of receivers. But then again, when he does have receivers open, they are wide open, and he's missing those throws. He asked, he has to make those throws. Yeah, Lando, I was about to say the exact same thing. I mean, and we've seen it too from Baker, where he's had really good games. And he's shown out like he I think he has it. I think he has the ability to be a really, really good NFL quarterback. But when he does, when he has games like he had on Christmas 
where he's just straight up missing throws, like completely missing wide open receivers. And yes, his receivers suck. Thomas Peoples Jones, he's a good receiver. He's not a, you know, Coolio Jones in his prime type receiver, an OBJ even now on the Rams type receiver. But he's still, you know, he's good. And these guys are getting open, even though they aren't the most talented guys. Baker's just not hitting them. But, I mean, the Browns' run game hasn't been as dominant as it usually is either, which kind of makes it harder on Baker. Usually Baker can use Chubb and Kareem Hunt to open up the run game. Right now he only has Nick Chubb. Uh, Kareem Hunt's been hurt for pretty much the entire season, I'm pretty sure, or at least half, half the season. So that makes it hard for Baker too, but Baker needs to take that step forward and show that he can be an elite quarterback or they're going to replace him. I don't think they will this year, but next two years I think Baker gets replaced. It's hard to find that franchise guy. Well, guys, we got a lot of bowl games to pick for New Year's Eve and New Year's, my two favorite days of the entire year. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. First off, we're going to go ahead and start by picking the game we are probably watching right now, or at least I'm watching right now. We have the Peach Bowl. It's the first of the New Year's six games. Uh, it's Pittsburgh versus Michigan State. Michigan State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They're played in... Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. I actually saw a bunch of Pitt football players out at Fox Brothers Barbecue in Decatur today uh, when I was with a bunch of work people having lunch. And uh, they seemed pretty pumped about the game. Matt, who you got? No Kenny Pickett for Pitt is the difference for me. I think if he plays in this game, I think Pitt wins. Uh, I know that Kenneth Walker the third is not playing for Michigan State, but... Uh, Mel Tucker has done a really good job of having Michigan State juiced up all year. I'm going to take Michigan State in this game. Uh, and I know right now it's pretty close. I'm watching it too. But uh, so, I mean, it's anybody's game. So I think, I just think Michigan State is, uh, is going to win this one. Yeah. I got Michigan State too. I just think they're a better football team, especially considering Pitt doesn't have Kenny Pickett. So I think Michigan State's going to end up pulling it out. See, if Kenneth Walker was playing for Michigan State, I think Michigan State would beat Pittsburgh pretty easily, but Kenneth Walker is not playing. I think he's their entire offense. Peyton Thorne's their quarterback. He is not good whatsoever, in my opinion. I think he's decent. He's not. He's just not going to win any football games without a run game. Um, Pitt, I haven't really watched their backup quarterback play, so I don't want to say he sucks. I want to say he's good. But they have the best receiver in the entire country, Jordan Addison. He won the Blinklehoff Award for best wide receiver in the country. He had a really, really, really good year. He had a really good season. Kenny Pickett did a really good job with him. And Kenny Pickett, obviously a fantastic quarterback. He made it to the Heisman race. He was in New York for the ceremony. Uh, obviously didn't win it, but he's getting a lot of buzz for first-round pick at quarterback. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with his receiving core. With his offense, obviously he's a really talented quarterback too, but I think Addison's going to have a really big game no matter who he plays. Michigan State has the worst pass defense in the entire country. That's why I'm taking Pitt. I think Pitt wins, wins a football game. I think if Kenny Pickett played, it would be an absolute blowout. But since he's not playing, I think it's going to be close. I think Pitt wins by, I'm going to say five, maybe maybe seven. Let's say a touchdown. And on to our next game, we have the Outback Bowl. This is one of our New Year's games. Uh, this game is between Penn State and Arkansas. Arkansas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Matt, who you got? I think this is going to be a really good game uh, because we watched a really good game between Auburn and Penn State earlier this year. 
I don't know about the opt-outs for either of those teams for that game, but uh, I, I think I'm going to go Arkansas on this one solely because uh, K.J. Jefferson, oh my gosh, what a one-handed snag. Uh, K.J. Jefferson is a beast of a quarterback. Uh, big kid, can run a little bit, and I think that that's going to uh, cause some problems for Penn State. So I'm going to go uh, Arkansas on this one, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like a four-point game. I'm going to go Arkansas too, but I don't think this game is going to be too exciting. It's probably going to be probably one of those, I'd say, 21 to 14 type type games. I'm going to go with Arkansas in this game. I think, like you said, Jefferson, the quarterback for Arkansas, is going to be the difference. See, I think this is Arkansas, and I think it's going to be Arkansas big. I don't think Penn State is as good as advertised. I think they've had a couple good games this year. I think Sean Clifford took a big step forward to where he was the past couple seasons. But they have no run game. Their receivers really aren't that good. They don't have much of an offense. The defense is strong, but I still don't think it's that good of a defense. I mean, I think they're good, but they're not anything special. I think Arkansas has a really good football team this year. K.J. Jefferson's playing really well. He's played really well down the stretch um, in his last couple games in the, regu- in the regular season. Traylon Burks, in my opinion, is the best receiver in the SEC, uh, maybe besides Jameson Williams, who is an absolute beast. But um, I'm going to take Arkansas. I think Arkansas wins this by three touchdowns. I think it's an actual blowout. And moving on to our next game, this is another New Year's Six game. We have the Fiesta Bowl. Played in Phoenix, Arizona. We got Notre Dame as a two-point favorite taking on Oklahoma State. Matt, who you got? I think this is the jump start to the Marcus Freeman era in Notre Dame, and I think they're going to come out and they're going to play inspired. Uh, they feel a little bit slighted by Brian Kelly, but Marcus Freeman is also a really good motivator. He's a really good – the players all were rallying around him being hired. He was hired. Uh the the players were all really excited about it. So I think they're going to play. They're going to play juiced up for him. Oklahoma State coming off of a loss uh, in the Big 12 championship that could have made the conversation at least a little bit interesting for a playoff spot uh, had they won that game. But I, I really just think that Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman are going to come in this game with so much intention to to show what they hope to build on for next year. So I've got Notre Dame in this one, and I think they'll win by a touchdown. I'm going with Mike Gundy and the mullet pokes. I think one way to gauge the momentum for a bowl game is judging off what happened. What's the last big piece of news these teams have been a part of? For Oklahoma State, the last big thing they did was lose to Baylor in the Big 12 championship, a game that they probably should have won, a game that they were projected to win, a game that could have propelled them into the playoff. They pretty much thought they were in the playoff, honestly. I think they probably could have made it. After beating Oklahoma, I thought they were going to make it. Um, And then Notre Dame, obviously, they lose Brian Kelly to LSU. Big-time news. But then they bring up Marcus Freeman, who for the last, what, two years has been their up-and-coming head coach, the guy they wanted to replace him all along, although they probably didn't expect it to be so soon. He's going to be the head coach for this football game. Uh, he's or the interim also as the actual new head coach. Um, he's got a lot of momentum in the program. A lot of people are really excited about it, especially the players and the coaching staff. So I think Notre Dame will show up for this game. I think the fan base will show up for this game, and that's why I think they're going to win. I don't think it's going to be super close, but I think it's going to be very low scoring because both of these teams have good defenses and not very strong offenses. Good, but not super strong. Um, so I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think they win. It's going to be like a like a twenty four to twenty one type 
type game. Close game. And then for our next game, we had the Citrus Bowl. Um, I believe this is played in Orlando. Um, we had, and it is between Iowa and Kentucky. Kentucky is a three-point favorite. Matt, who you got? I've been kind of saying this all year, especially earlier on in the year when Kentucky was winning a lot of games. I didn't think Kentucky was great. I think this is going to be one of those really, really boring, low-scoring games because both of these teams have offenses that aren't great and they have really good defenses. I'm going to take Iowa to win this one in like a 17-15 to kind of game. I think it'll be like a 3-4 to point game, but I like Iowa in this just because I think that they're going to force – Iowa does a good job of mixing up their defenses. They're going to force Will Will Levis into a couple of picks, and Iowa's going to win a close one. Yeah, I think this game will be which quarterback makes the least amount of mistakes. I'm going to go with Kentucky. I like Kentucky. I think they're pretty consistent. Um, Iowa's quarterback situation just really isn't that good. So I I think Kentucky's quarterback is going to make the least amount of mistakes in this game. See, if you go back throughout Kentucky's schedule this year and look at the teams they played the worst against, all those teams, besides Georgia really, had high-power passing offenses. uh, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Tennessee were the three teams they lost to. Iowa does not have that at all. They have no passing offense whatsoever. Um, Kentucky, if you actually watch Kentucky, like sit down and watch them play football, they have a really good defense. I think they have a top maybe three or four defense in the SEC this year, and no one really talked about it. Uh, I think Kentucky wins this game pretty big. I don't think Iowa has any offense at all. I think their defense is good, but their defense is better against teams that like to pass the ball. They're not as good against teams that like to run the ball. So I and Kentucky likes to run the ball a lot. They have two really good running backs. Will Levis is a good passer, but he's also a really good runner, and he prefer I, he really prefers to run. He's a better runner than he is a passer, in my opinion, or at least from what I've seen. So I'm going to Kentucky. I think it's going to be a not a blowout, but I think it's a double digit win. So I'm going to say like 27 to like 14, Kentucky, uh, and then we'll roll to our next game. We got the Rose Bowl. Ohio State as a four-point favorite against Utah, Pac-12 champion. This game is played in Pasadena. Matt, who you got? I'm really excited for this game because I want to see what you what Utah can do defensively against Ohio State's offense. Obviously, they shut down Oregon, but as we've seen a lot, Oregon isn't really all that great offensively they they had some big gaps uh it'll be interesting to see i'm pretty sure the big three receivers for ohio state are all playing uh that that can make things interesting so i'm really excited for this game i think it's going to be a good matchup because utah likes to play really really physical um and i think that they're going to have a shot i do think ohio state's going to win this one uh and i think that they win it by They'll pull away, and it'll be like 10 to 13 that they win by. Uh, They'll control a lot of the pace of the game, though. So I'm going Ohio State, somewhat big, double digits at least. Yeah, I think this game is going to be a blowout. I think Utah is going to come out and punch Ohio State in the mouth. So I'm going to go Utah big. Wow, you got Utah big? I got Ohio State big. I think Utah, I don't know. I mean, Utah looked good against Oregon. Twice. Uh, twice they did and you know and I think Utah's a good football team I don't think they're fluky at all but I think Ohio State's passing offense is just too high powered for them I think if Oregon had a better passing offense they would have done better against Utah I think that's why it was such a blowout but I think a lot of people are looking at Ohio State 
and looking at what happened in that Michigan game and kind of thinking Ohio State is really not that good of a football team. I think Ohio State, if they would have gotten past that game against Michigan, I think they honestly would have a chance to win the national championship with the teams that made it. I think they just didn't match up well against Michigan and early on against Oregon. They didn't match up well against Oregon, and C.J. Stroud didn't really hit his stride yet. At the end of the year, C.J. Stroud really started playing well. So I think he has a huge game against Utah. It kind of sets the tone for next season. Um, and I think they win pretty big. I'd love to see this be a close game. I'd love to see Utah win this game. But I think Ohio State's going to win, and I think it's going to be by a lot. Like, I'm going to say, like, 20. I think it's a 20-point game. See, when I agree with you on the, the them being a potential contender, I think that Michigan was a bad matchup for them, but I feel like they match up better against Georgia than Michigan matches up against Georgia. Personal opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. I, and that's why I was saying pretty much throughout the season, or at least since that Michigan Michigan State game, that I thought Michigan was going to make the playoff because Michigan matches up really well on defense against a passing offense because of how good their pass rushers are. And they match up really well on offense against a team that really can't stop the run, which Ohio State, if you watch them play against teams that could run the ball this year, they looked terrible on defense. And Michigan has a really, really, really good run offense. I mean, they probably have the best rushing offense in the country. So that's why... I didn't think they were going to beat Ohio State. But I think, like, Ohio State, if you put Ohio State against Georgia, put Ohio State against Alabama, um, or, I mean, honestly, even Cincinnati, I think they would match up pretty well. I don't know if they'd beat all of them because their defense is really not good. Even their, their passing defense sucks and their run defense sucks. And all three of those teams can run the ball pretty well. And Ohio State or Alabama has Jamison Williams and Bryce Young. So, But I do think they would have matched up well. But moving on to our next game, we have the Sugar Bowl played in New Orleans. This game is between Baylor and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Matt, who you got? I am rolling with the Rebs. I think that Jeff Lebby coming back to coach this game for Ole Miss, uh, Matt Corral playing in this game, because he and, and really everybody's playing in this game because the, they are a true team. I think Lane Kiffin has done a phenomenal job in the two years that he's been in Oxford, Mississippi so far. I really do think that they're going to be able to continue that. And if there's anything that Ole Miss's defense has been good at, it is playing against teams that have a quarterback that isn't super athletic, that, that isn't going to make tons of plays with his feet. You saw that, like when they when Ole Miss's defense struggled, it was against guys like Bryce Young, guys like uh, KJ Jefferson. But they did really well against Max Johnson, uh, Zach, uh, Zach Calzada, other guys like that. And that's where I think that the, the Ole Miss defense is going to have a little bit of an advantage uh, there. So I'm going with the Rebs. I think it'll be a little bit of a close game. I don't like. I think the line is pretty good where it's a pick 'em. I could see it being uh, either way, but I'm going to go with the Rebs by a touchdown. Uh, thanks to Matt Corral. This will be a really good game, but Baylor's going to win because of defense. I like Baylor's defense really good. I like Baylor's defense too. And originally, I had them down as winning this game. Because I thought that Matt Corral was not going to play. I thought he would sit out because he's, you know, getting all this first round draft pick buzz. Um, and a lot of these guys are sitting out now. But he's playing, and he came out and uh, had some really good words to say about playing. And he gave a lot of glory to his team about um, all the love he's gotten this year. And he said he's playing because he knows he would not be here without his teammates and without Lane Kiffin, which is huge. 
So I'm I'm going to take Ole Miss. I think they play really spirited football. I think this is going to be the best of all the New Year's Six bowl games. Um, maybe not the playoff. I think that Georgia-Michigan game is going to be pretty good. Um, but Baylor-Ole Miss, I really like the matchup. It's a very interesting matchup, too. Um, so I think Ole Miss wins. I think it's close, like really, really, really close. Um, I, th- I think it comes down to like a last-second field goal on the lines of that somewhere. But I'm going Ole Miss. Now on to our next game. Uh, this is the Cotton Bowl, the first of the college football playoff games on Friday night, tomorrow night. We have Alabama as a 13.5-point favorite taking on the first-ever group of five team to make a college football playoff, and that's Cincinnati. This game is in, was it Arlington, Texas? Yeah. Matt, who you got? So, I think that this is going to be one of those games that somewhat similar to the Notre Dame game last year where Alabama sort of dominated the whole game, but it wasn't until late in the game where the scoreboard started to reflect it. I think Cincinnati is going to come out and they're going to play extremely inspired football. To me, they match up better defensively uh, with us than Georgia because they've got Kobe Bryant in the secondary who is a who's a stud. Uh, they have another kid in the secondary that's really good. They're they're a little bit more. Uh, I think they got a little more speed uh, in their in their DB room than than Georgia does at this moment. Um, the, at least starter wise. So I think they match up a little bit better there. Uh, and they're going to come out and they're going to play inspired because they are the first group of five team to ever make the college football playoff. And this isn't the typical Alabama team that just rolled through their schedule and then you know won the SEC championship. This was an Alabama team that struggled for a large part of the year and then it found ways to win and then dominated the SEC championship game. I think that maybe there is a little bit of turning the corner that has happened with this Alabama team, finally. Uh, I know that all of the press conferences I've watched have been very focused. All of the guys have been bought in on not going out. Uh, Cameron Latu tied in yesterday, had an interview, and they said, uh, you know, don't you guys want to have fun in Dallas? And he said, we're getting prepared to win a playoff game and to me that's fun uh that sounds fun to me will anderson all of the guys have said said things along those lines so it's a really young team and i I think that alabama will win this game i think it'll be like a 14 to 17 point game in the end when it's all said and done uh and i I really do think cincinnati is going to play come out they're going to play a really good game it's going to be a tough game for alabama to win and alabama moves on roll tide four scores See, Matt, I do agree with you. I think Cincinnati, out of all the teams in the playoffs, Cincinnati matches up the best with Alabama with how they play, at least on offense to defense kind of range, because of those DBs. Um, And Desmond Ritter, honestly, too. I think Desmond Ritter um, is going to be able to do some good things against Alabama's defense. That being said, I got Alabama by 50. I think (laughs) Bryce Young's just too good. The way that they played against Georgia, if that is the Alabama team that they are now, which to me it kind of feels like that's that's who they are. That that is that is what we're starting to see. Um, I think they are just an unstoppable offense. Like I, I just think they're going to put up way too many points. I don't think Cincinnati has the depth to keep up with Alabama or the talent. Um, even though they have some good players, Luke Fickle's a great coach. I think they'll keep it in. They'll keep it interesting in like that first half, and then. Come second half, though, uh, Bryce Young will start to air the ball out a little bit more. 
um, they'll start to crush the spirits of the the lowly Bearcats, and and that'll be it. So I got Bama. I got Bama, not by fifty, but I'm gonna say Bama by twenty eight. Yeah, four scores. That's about what I. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yep, four scores. And on to our next game. This is the Orange Bowl played in Miami, Florida. We have Georgia as a seven and a half point favorite against Michigan. Matt, who you got? I think that this was the best matchup for Georgia going into the playoff. Uh, Michigan plays right into the hands of what Georgia does well, which is Michigan wants to establish the run. They don't want to throw the ball downfield a lot. They don't have a lot of downfield quickness. They've got a lot of lateral quickness. And on defense, they play very similarly to Georgia in the sense that they like to stop the run. Uh, They're a little bit – I think they've got a couple – Guys on the corner uh, that are athletic, but I'm pretty sure one of them isn't even playing uh, Hill. I'm pretty sure he's going to be out. That's a that's a big loss for that Michigan team if he's not going to be there. Uh, Stetson Bennett's the starter for Georgia. I think that it doesn't really matter who starts for Georgia. I think that they're going to have a little bit of the similar game plan. This feels a little bit like a Clemson type of game early in the season where it's going to be really close low scoring, but I think Georgia ultimately wins this game like 20-7, 21-7, somewhere in that range. They established the run enough. They Their defense is not going to give up anything to Michigan. I think Michigan may break a late one. It'll be like a 20-0 game. Georgia scores late. 20-7, to that's what I'm thinking. Georgia wins. We get a rematch of the SEC Championship in the College Football Playoff National Championship. Will Stetson Bennett do enough to get Georgia over the hump and into the National Championship? That's the big question. That's the big question everybody's asking. And I know lots of Georgia fans are are worried about that. And honestly, I would be too because, you know, you're playing against a team that's really good in Michigan, and we saw what happened when Georgia played against a really good team in, in Alabama. You know, Stetson Bennett just wasn't enough to get Georgia over that hump. So I'm going to go with Michigan, Michigan just for that fact. I think Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback, but I just don't think he has enough to get them over the hump and into the national championship. So I got Michigan. Close game. It's going to be a really good game, though. I, I, I'm i looking forward to watching this game. I think it's going to be an absolute barn burner. I got Michigan 28-24. to 28-24. Yeah, that that sounds like what everybody's putting the score at. Um, I honestly don't totally disagree with that either. One thing I do disagree with, though, Lando, you said, you know, Michigan is a really good team. And I agree, but... I think we also kind of need to look at what Michigan's done throughout this year. I think we're looking at Michigan by what they did against Ohio State, and we're thinking they're a lot better team than they really are. I mean, if you go back and look at you know the Nebraska game, uh, some of the other games they played, Penn State, Northwestern, I think they had a closer game too. They had four or five games where they only won by two or three, maybe a touchdown points against some not-as-good football teams. Um, I think one of their bigger wins this year was Wisconsin, and Wisconsin ended up really not being that good of a team. Um, I think they ended up maybe right outside the top. You know, they weren't even yeah, they weren't even right. They were outside the top twenty-five. So to me, I don't really think Michigan's that good. I think they one hundred percent deserve to be there. I think they one hundred percent deserve to be number two. Um, and the way they looked against Iowa, the way they looked against Ohio State, that team could win a national championship, 100%, especially in this playoff where there's not a team in here where you look at it and you go, that team's flawless, that team is unbeatable, like at LSU, 2019, Alabama, 2020. Um, but 
Obviously, I think you could say something similar about, or you could say the opposite about Georgia. Georgia throughout the season looked like the most dominant team in the country, looked completely unbeatable. And then in the more recent view we've had of Georgia, they played Alabama, got their asses handed to them, honestly. Uh, looked terrible. DBs looked awful. Lots, it, lots of things went wrong for Georgia. I think on paper, Georgia should beat the crap out of Michigan. I think it should be a beatdown. I think Georgia matches up perfectly with Michigan. Michigan is better against teams who throw the ball, not as much run the ball. If you look at teams like Michigan State, who did nothing but turn and hand the ball to Kenneth Walker the entire game, they had a tons of tons and tons of success on offense. Georgia, I think, will have some success on offense. Michigan has a good defense, but I think Georgia will be able to run the ball. I don't think we're going to have to lean on Stetson as much as we did in the Alabama game. If Georgia does have to lean on Stetson, I think Georgia will lose big because Aiden Hutcherson is going to have a field day against Georgia's offensive line. I'll tell you that right now. Um, that being said, I'm going to pick Michigan. And the reason I'm going to pick Michigan is because I think it comes down to mentality. And I think Kirby smart because of all this Nick Saban crap going on. I think he has just hit a point where he can do nothing but think about beating Alabama. And I think he's going to overlook Michigan because he thinks we sh- number one, he he knows what I know probably that we sh- should be Michigan, that we match up well with Michigan, that our defense honestly should stop Michigan from scoring any more than ten points. But I don't think we will. I think we'll overlook Michigan, and I think we'll be thinking about Alabama. And I think Michigan will sneak in, punch us in the mouth early. I don't think that, uh, and I don't think Stetson will help us to recover. So I got Michigan. I think it's gonna be close. I think Michigan twenty eight twenty five. Matt's face when when you said when you said you're gonna pick Michigan was priceless. <laughs> I know both both of y'all started laughing. I'm actually serious though. I've been thinking about this for like the last two weeks. Man, you know Kirby Smart went into that club that field house after that SEC championship, sacrificed a lamb in front of everybody, and was like, "We ain't doing that again." Come on, man. <laughs> Dude, he says that every year though. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean th- that same thing has happened. What, what, four times not, now, I'm, five times? I'm, but only two Alabama. That, that Georgia doesn't do that to, to teams not with, without the crimson and white. Like it, you're. Going I know, up but Georgia them. Georgia doesn't have to turn around and play Alabama again ever. Like Georgia will 100 percent have to turn around and play Alabama again if they beat Michigan. Especially yeah, but, Bama plays first too, so he'll know he'll have to play Alabama again. Uh, so, it's just, I, would, I, I, honestly, I think, I think it's an omen. I think it's an omen that has just crept over Kirby Smart's tenure at Georgia, and it is, it is not good. I'm, I'm man. very worried about it. I'm not, I, I'm not worried about Kirby. I think Kirby, Kirby will have his day eventually, but I think this whole Nick Saban thing is, is just wearing down on him, and it would me too, because that's, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I would be more worried if I was you if Cincinnati beat Alabama. Because oh, then, heck no. We'd beat the crap uh, out of Cincinnati. No, no, no. no. I'm not talking. I'm saying, like, for the Michigan game. Because then it, the, the mentality is like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we, we're we we're good. That I would be more worried about that scenario than Alabama winning. Because I feel like mm. they want the play. If you're, if you're a player, you want the rematch. If you're Kirby Smart, even though you're annoyed, you want the rematch. Because what better stage is there to finally beat your old boss than the Natty? Yeah, where where you had your heart ripped out just five years ago, so why why not why not you know so if Alabama loses, it's like all right, cool, all we got to do is beat Michigan, we're we're good, and then I feel like that's whenever they would potentially get punched in the mouth. 
I'm sure Kirby's going to be like, nobody's watching TVs and we're not watching the other game. We don't care what's going on. That's what he's going to say, at least, whenever they come out to interview, when he's doing his pregame interview. They're going to be like, Coach, what do you think about the other game? He's going to be like, oh, we didn't really do that. We're just focused on, on us. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I would, I honestly, like, I, I just don't, I don't see Georgia losing to Michigan. I, I, I it's just one of those games that if they do. I guess it's just same old Georgia, but <laughs> I, I feel I, I, st- I still no, but I mean I still feel like this Georgia team is different in some way. Mm. Well, and that's and that's what I said too. I mean, if you look on paper, Georgia should beat Michigan pretty bad. Like, I mean, it shouldn't be like a huge blow. It shouldn't be like forty-two to seven or something. But Michigan is the same type of team that Georgia's played all year and has has scored. Well, I mean, what what was it? I think the most a team scored on Georgia okay, up until the but, SEC championship but, okay. was Tennessee. That's Tennessee though. Thirteen that, points. I, I, like that. That, so so you, you just said Michigan. Michigan's 17. a lot like the teams that Georgia's played all year. So we're, we're gonna sit here and compare, you know, Michigan to, you know, like. Kentucky or Tennessee or or teams like that, like come on, like Michigan's better than those teams. Well, what what I'm saying is they match. It's the matchup. Like Georgia matches up well with a team like Michigan. Michigan is obviously better than every team Georgia's played this year, besides Alabama probably. But the matchup of a run first team plays good defense, doesn't come out and put up like 60 points a game, doesn't throw for 400 yards a game, just comes out and runs the ball and tries to put together long endurance type drives and then play good defense. That's the type of team Michigan is. Um, And that's the type of team Georgia is too. And Georgia's had a lot of success because of the talent that's on Georgia's defense against teams like that. Because a lot of teams can't, don't have the depth to keep up with the depth that Georgia has. On both sides of the ball. Well, we shall find out. But if you're explosive, like Alabama is, and you can put up, what, 42 points? Then, I mean, Stetson's not going to throw for 500 yards and put up 50 points on you. I just hope that the games that we get in the playoff are better than the games that we've gotten all bowl season, minus Tennessee-Purdue. Like, most of these bowl games have been snoozers. Snoozefest. I was really excited for the Oklahoma-Oregon game. I thought that would be good and competitive. That one was boring. Yeah, it was. Oklahoma dominated. I thought that uh, there was another game that I was excited for that I watched like five minutes of because it quickly became a blowout. I'm, pick a bowl. They pretty much have all been blowouts. They're, they're not been- I'm not going to lie. I, I was looking forward to watching the, the South Carolina, uh, North Carolina game today. I watched probably a, a half of it, and then I just became really un- uninterested in watching the rest of the game. just wasn't that exciting. Oh, it was Maryland Virginia Tech. Maryland Virginia Tech. That's the one. It was yesterday. It was the Pinstripe Bowl in oh, Yankee okay, Stadium, yeah. and I was like, "Hey, th- this is going to be an exciting game." Like former ACC matchup. Yeah, Maryland blew them out. Recruiting rivals. Maryland beat the dog crap out of them. Iowa and, State. Iowa State. Clemson yesterday was pretty dang boring. That, yeah, that was. Oh man, that was horrible. It was a close game, but it was twenty to thirteen, and it was like, it was like six to six or seven to seven or something like that for the first like. Three quarters. It was a close game with horrible quarterback play. Yeah. Brock Purdy yeah. looked god awful, and DJ, like they wouldn't even let him throw the ball downfield. They wouldn't call anything for him to throw downfield. It was everything was like underneath short stuff, and he was still missing it. Like it was, it's painful to watch Clemson be that inept on offense. I mean, I don't mind it, but it was painful to watch. Well, that's our show. 
Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, drop a follow on Spotify, and give us a follow on our social media on Instagram at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.